0: Hey, welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. And for more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Fruit ain't got good. Two testimonies already this morning, and we're just getting started. We've already had church. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to deal with a subject today Can you prove it? I'm going to take my time and work a few scriptures this morning on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, if you were unable to be here on Friday night, um, that sermon was on Facebook. I mean, you have to go hear it. May I, I'm not just saying that because he's my son, probably the best message I've ever heard preached. Amen. Uh, on the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ Hey Amen. I, I, I didn't think he was going to leave me anything to deal with today. you got to go back and listen to that. It was powerful. Uh, but today, the title of my message is going to be Can You Prove It? We're going to start over in the book of Isaiah. If you want to go there for, uh, with us, it'll be on the screen, Isaiah chapter number 52. We're very familiar with Isaiah 53, but really all of Isaiah 52, the whole Chapter 52 and 53 is a prophetic proclamation of the coming of the Messiah. But I'm just going to start and pull some scriptures out for the sake of my context this morning. Isaiah chapter number 52 verse number 13 says, Behold my servant. Now you got to remember this was a prophecy around 700 years before Jesus ever come and the man of God just began to speak things. He did not even know what he was talking about. He spoke by the spirit of God as if this thing was already happening or had happened. 13 says, Behold my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high just as many were astonished at you. So his visions, his appearance, his countenance was marred more than any man. No one had been beaten to the extent that this savior would be beaten. And his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations and kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them they shall see. And what they had not heard, they will consider. Who has believed I report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. Talking about your Jesus. Wasn't nothing beautiful to look at. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. Rejected by man. I'm talking about your Jesus. He was a man of sorrows and he was acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has carried our griefs, he has carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But in reality, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like uh, sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich at his death because he had done no violence nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief when you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. God trusted Jesus To pull this thing off. The father trusted the son. To pull this thing off. (laughs) And he shall see the labor of his soul. And be, (laughs) be satisfied. By his knowledge. My righteous service shall justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with criminals. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Today, we're celebrating the event that all of Christendom is founded on. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of you may have thought today was a little overboard on celebration and praise and worship. When in reality, Amen. How much worship is too much worship? When you was dead in your trespasses and sins, but because of a loving Jesus and a heavenly Father, He resurrected you. The real question is, what was your problem during worship? Uh oh. <laughs> So today we're celebrating the greatest event ever known to mankind, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, Romans chapter number one, verse number four says, Jesus was declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. That was the proof he was who he said he was. In other words, if Christ did not rise from the dead, then he was not the son of God and Christianity is a hoax. 1 Corinthians 15 and 14 says, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is useless. So the question must be answered today and that's what I've come to do. The question that must be answered is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ circumstantial evidence or was he who he said he was and was he without a doubt resurrected from the dead? Well, let's look at some evidence. I'm going to do what I normally don't do. I'm going to pull from historical uh, documents. We're going to we're going to pull from the Bible. We're going to pull from everywhere. Amen. So I just need you to go with me. Let's look at the evidence. Amen. So you can decide: is this thing for real or is it a hoax? We have historical evidence, records, and documents that were written with unbelievable accuracy about the Christ and his birth his life, his cause of death, and his resurrection. These historical documents were scientifically proven by radiocarbon dating and radiometric analysis. And you may not know what that is. I ain't got time to explain it. Amen. But it was proven not by Christians alone, but by scientists who used radiometric analysis and radiometric dating to date the documents that we have uh, on file today. And they found out uh, and proved that they were written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. It wasn't something that the disciples could come up with this great big scheme and just fool everybody and create a legend. Amen. Because God was so in control, he started telling us this was coming hundreds of years before Jesus ever got here. Amen. And and we could have stacks and stacks of of, uh, secular documents to prove, amen, what I'm about to preach today. But Ben's, we're all Christians. We're just gonna pull from the Bible. 587 years before Jesus... Was born on this planet, Psalms 22 was written by a prophet named David. And it says, They have pierced my hands and my feet, all my bones stuck out, and they cast lots for my garments. Amen. Are you listening to me? 700 years before Jesus was ever born, Isaiah began to prophesy and say, his appearance appearance was so marred that many were appalled at the sight of him. Men of God had prophesied about something, amen, they could not even wrap their minds around. He went on to write, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. Mind you, this prophecy of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was given hundreds of years before the Romans even invented the punishment of crucifying criminals. They were actually prophesying about something they'd never seen before. They'd never seen nobody even die in this manner, amen. It never was an idea in the mind of a cruel Roman soldier of how to kill a criminal and they're prophesying about the crucifixion of our Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that the prophets of old prophesied about a salvation that would come by the crucifying and the beating of the Savior of the world. And then your Bible says in 1 Peter when they prophesied, they searched carefully, inquired about this salvation, seeking, trying to find out who would fulfill these prophecies. And in what time period would this take place? And God spoke to them expressly and said, it will not be in your lifetime, but it's coming. I have read you today just a couple, and I could spend hours. I've read you just a couple manuscripts that foretold in exact te- detail of the coming of the Messiah's life, death, burial, and resurrection. But they are actually over 66,000 radiocarbon dated documents and manuscripts that prove that Jesus did exist, that he was crucified. He was buried and he did raise, was rose from the dead three days later. Hear me, 66,000 pieces of proven evidence. That's more documented proof than for any other historical event, event in mankind's history. Amen. We take a whole lot less evidence And built a history that we don't have any problem building. Amen. And we don't have any problem celebrating. Well, we have 66,000 carbon dated documents uh, that prove the life of Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me in this place? Matthew chapter number 28 shows that the Jewish elite so knew that Jesus had rose from the dead, that your Bible says they paid large sums of money to the soldiers who were guarding the tomb to lie. They paid them to lie and and tell the officials that they fell asleep. That they fell asleep and the disciples stole the body. These, this hierarchy in Matthew twenty-eight, they could tell by the demeanor of the soldiers that they had saw angels because men who were trained to kill, men who were trained to fight, men who weren't afraid of anything, amen, was guarding the tomb the day the angels showed up. And the Bible says they fell to the ground as dead men in total fear. And when these men of iron came to the uh, uh, came to that Sanhedrin and told them, oh my God, y'all are not going to believe what's happened. And angels showed up shook the ground amen we couldn't fight we couldn't defend this thing amen we were so afraid that all we could do was bow as Christ came out of that tomb Uh, I'm talking about sinners I'm not talking about saints I'm talking about rough rugged killers amen said that man came out of that tomb so they begin to pulling out large sums of money saying whatever you do lie Lie about it. Amen. And they said, we can't lie about it because they'll, have, they'll kill us for lying about it. And they said, oh no, we got the, we got the government in our, in our hip pocket. We're gonna protect you. We need you to lie about this resurrected Jesus. They tried to use their wealth and positions to stuff out this movement called Christianity. But Jesus kept on showing up after his resurrection. First Corinthians 15, Paul said Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again on the third day and he was seen by Peter. And then he was seen by 12 who actually ate and drank with him. Amen. So no skeptic can say they were hallucinating. Amen. Because, uh, what do they call brain people? Uh, amen. Psychologist, amen, says that you can. Have, I'm sorry, I'm not a brain person. Amen. They said, you can't, it's not, it's not possible for you to have hallucinations to where you actually engage and eat and drink. So they defied the fact. So, so Paul put it in the scripture. They didn't just seem, they sat down and ate fish and they ate bread and they drank together. I need you to high-five your neighbor and tell it, tell him right now he got up. I can prove it. He said he was seen by Peter. He was seen by twelve, the twelve who actually ate and drank with them. And then he said after that he was seen by over five hundred <coughs> witnesses. He was seen by five hundred witnesses. some of which are still alive right now. That was so important that he wrote. He was seen by 500 witnesses, some of which are still alive right now. Because he destroyed the myth of a legend. Because a legend can't be built while a legend is still alive. If it's gonna be a myth you got to wait years later and start a story. Are you listening to me? But the proof it wasn't a myth, he said not only is he resurrected, but we got eyewitnesses that are still alive today. We can gather them up, and they can reaccount the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some may say, well, all 500 and the 12 just collaborated, and they made this story up. Well... That was defied too. It's defied by the fact that these ragtag followers of Jesus Christ who were so afraid and scattered at the murder of their leader are now willing to die for him because they saw him rise from the dead. Is anybody listening to me? His resurrection had such a transformative effect on them that they transformed the world. Amen. There's no way to explain it any other way of a bunch of men who were terrified but because Jesus was killed as a criminal. That made them criminals and they knew they would die next. So they scattered. Amen. They were afraid until the day Jesus Walked up to him after he was raised from the dead, and all of those men who were terrified are now willing to die for what they have seen. Someone may say, Well, a lot of sects and cults and religions will die for a lie. No. They will and have died for what they believed to be true, even though it was a lie. But no one has or will ever die for what you believe to be a lie. Oh, is anybody in this place right now? Huh? I hear people say, well, people die every day, you know. We don't believe in Allah. We don't believe in the Muslims and they die every day. You know why they die? They die because they believe it's the truth. Amen. And when they come to know the truth, they refuse to die any longer. So we have proof through the martyrs and the, is anybody, I'm just going to prove it to you, amen, that no man, no matter how dedicated he is, if they would have staged his resurrection, if they would have stole his body, if they would have just said, we got to hold on to our reputation, so we're going to steal him away, and we're going to put up this great big front, amen. When it comes time to crucify them upside down, when it comes time to cut their heads off, I promise you, they would admit it, it was a lie. But somebody shouted, it was the truth. And because it was the truth, they were willing to lay down their lives for Jesus Christ. These followers of Christ knew it to be true, and there was no amount of torture, and there was no amount of persecution that could change their minds. As a matter of fact, when Peter and John raised the crippled man and they were threatened to beat them and to kill them, they threatened that they was going to take their lives. The Bible says in Acts 4.20, Peter stood up and said, We can't help but tell the people what we've seen and what we heard. Kill Kill me if you must. I must tell you the truth. And the truth is, he got up. And he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. And because of that, you can't kill me. You may take my life, but you can't kill me. But because he got up, I'll get up. Oh, I got to wait. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for that. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was the foundation upon which Christianity was built and not even the wealth and the power and the prestige of a Roman government could snuff it out and tear it down nor any other power ever created since that day. I I need to move on but let me tell you what if you really took time to study the documented proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it would take more faith to not believe than it does to believe. I said it would take more faith to not believe that he died and he was buried and resurrected than it does to believe he did. As a matter of fact, Google it. Hundreds of atheists, God, not God haters, they didn't believe he existed, atheists decided I'm going to prove that your God does not exist. And hundreds of them went to work to prove that Jesus never existed and the majority of them kept bumping into a resurrected Jesus and ended up being born again and are preaching the gospel right now. Somebody shout, I can prove it. I can prove it, and man, I ain't got time to work it today. But another piece of irrefutable evidence, amen, that there is a resurrected life, <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> is transformed lives. Wave at me, Dylan. Wave at me, somebody. Somebody. Oh my God, listen to me. Uh, Saul, who was an infamous killer of the church, he was a killer and a persecutor of the church, but one encounter with the resurrected Jesus transformed him into a Paul who wrote most of your New Testament, amen. Somebody shout, I can prove it, amen. These kind of transformations don't come by somebody changing their mind. It's an encounter with a resurrected Jesus that changes everything. Amen. How many testimonies do you need to believe he was resurrected? What about Peter, a cussing coward? (laughs) Huh? Oh, Peter, a cussing coward. He ran, he hid, he denied he seen Jesus. He denied he knew Jesus when Jesus was being crucified. Amen. This same Peter was so transformed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that he spent his life in danger and peril preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This same Peter who ran when Jesus was being crucified, when it come time for him to die, they come to get, are y'all listening? to me today I come to prove it to you when they come to kill Peter they were going to crucify Peter and Peter said whoa 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 amen I'm not worthy to be crucified like my savior turn me upside down and crucified me it's the proof they had an encounter with Jesus Christ The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number one, wherefore we are surrounded by so many witnesses. It ain't no problem to prove that he is alive and well. We got too many witnesses. Amen. We we got historical witnesses that are testifying still today that Jesus was raised from the dead. But you know what? Look around. We got witnesses in this building. Stand up a minute, Dylan. Stand up a minute. Let me find some bad sinners. Stand up, uh, Jennifer. Don't say that yet. Where's Anita? Where's Anita at? She was, a, she was a bad one. Amen. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me just a minute. Amen. Wherefore, we have so many witnesses that there is a Christ who transforms lives. Is anybody listening to me? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to bust you out, sis. You can get on to me later. Amen. She said she went after uh, men looking for somebody to love. And she used to dance all right. Am I right about it? She used to dance all right, but she danced for men in an ill repute uh, place. But now she's dancing for Jesus Christ. I just need somebody to get excited. Stay with me now. Stay with me now. Stand up. Amen. So now I don't need a biblical scripture to prove there is a living Savior. I have a witness right here that one encounter with Jesus Christ will change your life forever. How long has it been, Jody? How long has it been? 19 months ago, amen, less than two years ago, she gave her testimony. She was setting out at a grocery store, strung out, kids scattered, scared to death to go into a grocery store because she was so messed up. Walked up to this altar one day and had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. With the resurrected, stand up Dylan, I through you with the resurrected Jesus Christ. Amen. And now I got proof. <laughs> I can prove it. Jesus is alive. <laughs> Wherefore, we are surrounded. Oh my God, have I got some more. Dylan, uh, I'm going to bust you out, buddy. How long have you been out of jail? <laughs> An old jailbird right there, just a jailbird. That's all he was, an old jailbird. Are you listening to me? I ain't even gonna ask you to confess what you did, amen? Because I know he did it all. He did it all. Are you listening to me? Bound by the addictions of this world, came to an altar somewhere and had, had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ. I come to prove nobody, nobody... Oh, Nick, I wish I had some dirty laundry on you. I just didn't get it, amen. Oh, you listen to me, amen. I need another one. I need another one that you're proof. If you're proof, stand up. If you're proof, stand up. If you're proof, stand up. Kenny, Kenny, a year ago, he was bound by addictions and things that was robbing him of his life, amen, until he had an encounter with who? Not live church, not a religion, but he had an encounter Somebody shout, I can prove it. My God, you don't need to open up your Bible to know Jesus is alive. Just look at me. Just look at me. I am, oh, somebody ought to help me right now. Amen. I am a witness of a resurrected Jesus. All the rest of y'all sitting there like you ain't got no testimony. Your problem is your testimony's too ugly for you to even share it. <laughs> Amen. That's the problem. Your testimony. You know, yeah, say it loud. It's online. Loud. i been stolen. Come on, bad, come on. Just as bad as theirs was. I was just as low, just as going to hell as theirs was. I'm just as grateful as they are. Are you through? If y'all are going to keep preaching, if not, I'm going to let you talk. Because let me tell you what, from down here where we're at, which is good old boys. Are you listening to me? But good old boys need an encounter with Jesus Christ. Is anybody in this? As a matter of fact, can I say this? Sometimes the good old boys, it's a bigger miracle than you rank sinners. Because they. is anybody listening to me? We think we're all right. I know there's some other ugly sinners in this church. Where y'all at? Uh, I know you in here you listen to me wherefore we are surrounded by so many witnesses let us be bold and lay aside ever sin amen I come to refute a lie from the devil that's told some people in this building I don't know if he even existed we got scientific proof we got historical proof we got uh, eyewitness testimony and we got people in this building today right now amen let me tell you about me you want to testify baby she can give you a testimony, amen, of being married to someone with a bad addiction and packing her bags and about to leave me because I could not make it right. Is anybody else relate to me? I wanted it to make it right. I mean, stand up just a minute, just a minute, just a minute, it be all right. Turn around and look at this crowd. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you want to make it right? Blue eyes, blot. Oh, I got to preach, amen. <laughs> Hey, listen to me! But I could not make it right. I tried to make it right. Anybody else? I tried to straighten up. I tried to act right. I told her I would come home after work, and it, and it never worked. Until one day, I, oh, I, I'm just gonna—I'm gonna testify. One day, I had an encounter with a resurrected Jesus, and I am never. Kobe, Kobe, look, look at that pretty little cute face of his. Hey, but he just loves everybody. He makes me sick. He just loves everybody. You know what I'm saying? You can't even talk negative around him. <laughs> well, I like to say something about your teacher. You can't even talk negative around him. Amen. But he was a little heathen. Y'all don't know this, but I'm going to tell you he was a little heathen. He came from Texas up here to visit us. Remember that? A little heathen. His life was going off in left field, and he was getting bit by that drink and bit. Are you listening to me? Amen. Had no intentions of meeting Jesus or even getting saved. Am I right about it? He just came up here to ride in the mud ride, Morango. He's a sneaky Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jehovah sneaky. That's what they call it. Amen. But he had to come to church cuz he was Josh's friend and we were family. Amen. But that Sunday morning something happened uh, and he came to these altars and encountered Jesus. Now he's laying hands on the sick. Is that everybody? Now he's laying hands on people. People are getting saved. Wow, what a coincidence that was. Huh? What a coincidence. you got to have a lot of faith to be an atheist. I just ain't smart enough to be an atheist. I could go all day. Amen? I could just pick y'all out because all y'all got to pass. You gotta pass. Thank you, sis. You gotta pass, but you didn't encounter with Jesus Christ. And as a result, now everywhere I go, I'm kinda like Lazarus now. You know, Lazarus is dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. He went to town, buy groceries. Lazarus did. I mean, it's it's, make you hungry to die for three days. He was hungry. I know he was hungry. That's work now, plus he had to hop out of that too. Don't, don't start nothing and they won't be nothing. He was at the grocery store buying groceries, and everybody said, "Oh my Jesus, that's Lazarus, honey. Put them turnip greens down. That's Jesus." I mean Lazarus, that's Lazarus. I that ain't Lazarus. He's dead. I was at the funeral, honey. You know that we were at the graveside. <laughs> he said, "No, honey. I'm telling you, Lazarus is over at the butterbean aisle, and he's getting butterbeans. I'm telling you, he's alive. I walked by him. I felt of him when I walked by. He's alive. He he was so alive. He wasn't even having to say anything, Anita, because the Bible says that when people saw him, they believed there was a Jesus." Is anybody listening to me? They said, we got to kill Lazarus again because everybody's going to believe in Jesus. I wonder if somebody can find the witness in your life that Jesus is alive. I got to go to point two. I'm so tempted to call some more of y'all out, but I just don't know how you'll take it. Because some of y'all give the PG version of your testimony. You have to. You have to use some parental guidance. <laughs> Somebody wait. just wave at me if that's you. I mean, I know you can't tell it. Uh, because there's some things y'all don't know that I really can't tell you because you don't know how far I went and how bad I got. It, c- come on, somebody. You just, double. you just don't know how nasty I was. You don't know how dead I was. So I can't tell you everything. So you'll have to overlook me if I get excited in the worship service. It's my only way. Oh God, I gotta go. You're the proof. You're the proof he's alive. Well, now that we've established the fact that Jesus came, <coughs> he died, he rose from the dead on the third day, the next question that must be answered is, why? Why was all that necessary? I'll tell you why. Because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Not because God needed a place to live, because God inhabits the universes. <laughs> he created the heaven and the earth because he is love. And love needs an avenue of expression. True love cannot exist unless it has an avenue of expression. True love does not exist that doesn't express itself. it, It by nature expresses itself. And true love don't just express itself when it's convenient, it has to express itself, even when it costs it, even when it gets expensive. It's the nature of love, it has to show itself. And the Bible says God is love. So, God is so f- not full of love. He is such love. He needed an avenue to show it, to express it. So he went to creating, throwing stars in the air and pulling the land together. Hey man, taking that finger of his and running rivers down through it. Everything he was building a nursery. God was just building a nursery. He created all of heaven and earth simply because he wanted a family to show his love to. That's why he done it. Isn't that the most beautiful thing you've ever heard? He began to show me this stuff. I was overwhelmed. He created a family through whom he could, or to whom he could express this great love to and he placed them in this created paradise called Eden. Genesis 2 says, and the Lord God took man, put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree, it's yours, Adam and Eve. It's your every tree imaginable in this garden. It's paradise. Nothing is lacking. Eat anything in it you want. Of every tree of the garden of the, you may freely eat. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it for in the day you eat you're going to die. The day you eat, you're going to die. Can I tell you, this was the design of a loving father to have perfect fellowship with his family in a perfect environment. Now, I know, I know you've been preached to and you've been taught so much, but I need you to shake off your religious chains and I need you to go with me mentally right now. God... The creator of everything. The creator of everything. The creator of the universe. The most powerful being. You can't even wrap your mind around God. Had so much love that he created a family so he could come hang out with them. I I don't know. Y'all looking pretty blank. When I thought of that, I thought, oh my God, can you imagine? I don't think we can, but Genesis teaches us that on a daily basis, in the cool of the day, God, who was their father, came and what do you do when you hang out with God? What do you say? when you're hanging out with God how do you respond to God and they just hung out why because God loved his family and he said he would just come and walk with them talk with them fellowship with them wasn't expecting anything from them they were created to live for an eternity they would never die they would create the family of God that would be thousands and millions and millions and millions and no one would ever die. There never would be any sickness. There would never would be any disease. There would never be any gossip, no hatred. It was the perfect family because it was birthed by a holy God. He was pure. He was perfect. My God, are y'all listening to me? Amen. And, 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 and Adam and Eve gets to build this family so that God continually could show His goodness to you. So he could just continually express. So he would have an avenue just to love on his children. This was the design of Father. and I ain't got time to work it today. But if you really understand the creation and the fall and the redemption of man, you would never question God again of why bad things happen. If you really understood why they happened, Now, because of our uh, illiteracy in scripture, we think God is in control of that. We think God is causing that. Amen. And then I'm thinking about doing a Facebook live on the question of, well, if he's God, why don't he stop it? Amen. I'll tell you why. Because he loved his family so much when he put us in the garden, he said, okay, the earth is yours. You steward it. He took his hands off of it because he loves you so much. Is anybody listening to me? In other words, he relinquished the power. Yes, sir, I can prove it to you. He relinquished the power, put it in the hands of man and said, I want you to steward it. And what you allow will be allowed. And what you disallow will be disallowed. I come to tell you, it's not God's fault. It's man's fault. Why don't God intervene? Because God's a just God and he will not break his word that I give you dominion. Is anybody listening to me? But one day, amen, he will come back. He will take dominion back and he will restore this earth back. But right now it's not him. He can't. If he was to step in and stop the horrific things that's going on in this world, then he would have to erase the entire Bible. It would would do injury to the justice of a holy God. My God, can y'all hear me today? Because it never was his design in the first place. Never was his design in the first place. But here we are. I got to go. I got to go. I gotta. I know you're going to hunt Easter eggs or something. Of all the masterful work (laughs) that God did, his most prized creation was his family. I'm sorry if you had a bad family, but I don't have a bad family. And I'm a father. And there ain't nothing I love more than my children. There ain't nothing I love more than my grandchildren. There ain't nothing I love more than to be able to give to them and be there for them and do for them and encourage them. And you know why I'm that way? Because I'm like God. Oh, somebody else just help Amen. Because remember, 30 years ago, I was not that way until God moved in my life. I can understand a little bit of how God longs to be with you, His children. And God was just... Living life, man. He was visiting with his kids in the garden. Hey, Amen. He was watching what they were doing. They were expanding the garden until one stinking day. Adam decided, Eve decided, we're going to rebel against God. You know what? I think we got this. We'll do this ourselves. We'll eat of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and then we'll be like our father and we can usurp him and become our own gods. So they did. They did. Are y'all still with me? Adam chose to rebel against the father. Adam sinned against the will of the father. And let me tell you what happened. That day... God's holy family, the pride of his life, died in the garden. You ain't the first one to lose a family member. God came to that garden that day and he looked at a dead family. And you, you don't understand that because you said, Dead? He said, The day you eat it, you'll die. Because you don't understand what death is. You think death is a cessation of life. Death's not the cessation of life. Death is separation. For any of you who have buried a a loved one, they're not dead. You're just separated from them. You're just separated from them. They're still alive. Amen. They may have went to sleep according to the Bible. Amen. But, but, but God understood that, that death is a separation. So when he said, you're going to die, he was literally saying, my holy family will be separated from me. Amen. And I'll have no contact with you whatsoever. Oh my God, is anybody listening to me? So he came back to the garden and said, Adam, where in the world are you? Where are you? And they said, we hid from you. We hid from you. Now, when, when he gave me this, I began to weep because I felt what it would like for me to come to my child with nothing but good to give, nothing but love to give, and now my child's hiding from me. My child's hiding from me. There's some children of God hiding from God right now hiding from God and staying away from God because of lifestyles and sin that has separated us from the family of God. And he's saying, where are you, Adam? What have you done? Amen. My family is now dead. I created the whole earth just for this family. And now my family has sinned against me and they are dead. And because I am a holy God and my family was holy, now I can have no fellowship Because they separated themselves from sin. Amen. And and, and one of the most sad, saddest statements ever written in the Bible. God, you got to hear me today. God looked at somebody. (laughs) Amen. He looked over at Jesus as his right hand and said, man has become like us. That's what God said. Man has become like us. Now they know good and evil. They become like us. Now they're going to start making their own decisions. Now they're going to start ruling their own lives. And he said, now they have died because of sin. And he, and he told Jesus and the Holy Spirit, he said, if I don't block the tree of life, they're going to eat of it. And they're going to live forever. Forever. Wait a minute, you just said they died. No, what God was saying is, I got to block the tree of life now. I put that tree of life for you because I wanted you to live forever. Tammy, Jimbo, I wanted you to live forever. So I put the tree of life in there and you could just eat it. Anytime you started getting weak, you could just eat it. And we're going to fellowship forever. Nothing will ever break our fellowship with one another. Amen. But now he looked over at Jesus. He said, they've become like us. And he said, the next thing they're going to do, they're going to eat that tree of life and they're going to live forever in a separated state from me. And I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. I can't be separated from them for an eternity. So we're going to have to block the tree of life. And the Bible says he put an angel with a sword in front of the tree of life. Amen. So that they could not get back to that tree of life. In other words, God was saying, I know you're going to die now, but I got a plan. I got a remedy. Amen. I got a remedy coming. And I will not be separated from you forever and ever and ever So I'm going to have to take the tree of love. Is anybody, do you see the love of God that's manifested? He said, I can't, I can't. I can't go in eternity without being with you. I I can't go in eternity with us being separated. Now, all of a sudden, do y'all understand the scriptures I read in Ephesians that says we who were dead in sins, Has he resurrected? When Adam died, you died. We died. We were all separated from God. But God's love wouldn't let him back up and say, well, I tried. God's love backed up and said, "Uh -uh. I got to come up with a plan to reunite my family. I got to get my family back. I got to get my family back. The first Adam lost. Listen, let let me give you a scripture to go with that. He died. Adam died because of sin. Romans five and two says, "By one man's sinned, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death come upon all men, for all have sinned." You want to know where evil come from? Your sinning sin in daddy. Adam. You want to know where death came from? Adam. By one man's sin, death came upon all men. So the entire family of God died on that day. But God said, I'm going to separate from the tree of life. I don't want you to live forever in your dead state. And the Bible says, amen. God created a second Adam. He said, we're going to do this again. He created a second Adam. First Corinthians calls Jesus the second Adam. I'm going to create another son. The only difference between this son and that son is all that son had to do was live in my presence and walk in obedience to me. But I'm going to have to send this son to redeem that son. Because the wages of sin is death and I'm a just God. And if I just overlook your sin, then I'm not a just God and I cease to exist in my Godness. The problem is the wages of sin was death. And there was not another man on the planet who didn't have sin. And a sin can't die, a sinner can't die for a sinner. Why? Because you're guilty too. So God said, I gotta have a perfect son, a perfect sacrifice to be able to redeem my family. Oh, and Josh preached it uh, Friday night, and the Bible says that Jesus did not consider his godness something to be held on to, but he laid it down and became the servant of man. So not only was God willing to send him, but Jesus said, I am willing to lay down my godness and become a servant to get our family back. I need you to tell somebody it was about the family. A family that God loved so much that Jesus could have said I'm not going down there. I'm second in command. I am God myself. Amen. But Philippians said he didn't consider it something to be held on to but he took it all and he put on a human suit and he came through the womb of woman. Is anybody in here I'm trying to preach Jesus. Amen. And he walked 30 years of perfect sinlessness. For one reason, because you was a sinner. You was dead in your trespasses. The the sentence of death was on God's whole family. And they were doomed and destined for eternal hell. So God said, I got to have a substitute. I got to have someone who's so perfect and so loving and so willing that he'll say, Father, I'll die for Jody. Father, I'll die for Courtney. You can put the judgment of death that was on your whole family on me. And because somebody has to die, because you said it, Father, your word doesn't say it, because somebody has to die, I'll go and I'll take their place and I'll die on the cross to restore your family. This is why Jesus had to come. This is why he had to die. This is why he had to be buried. This is why he he had to be resurrected. Amen. Death wasn't enough. He had to get up. uh, Romans says he was delivered to the cross because of my sins, but he was raised for my justification. So Jesus came. He became the supreme sacrifice for all men because he was so perfect He took all of our sin upon Himself and then the judgment of God came raining down on one man named Jesus and it satisfied the justice of God. Which gave you and I permission to be resurrected. Because we were all dead. We were kind of like Jesus. We were dead and buried in a borrowed tomb. I was living in a tomb that wasn't designed for me. Somebody help me. You were in a tomb that wasn't even designed for you. You were being held by bondages that wasn't even designed for you because you were destined to be the family of God. But because of Jesus Christ, you now have permission to come out of your tomb into the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh my God, I know I need to quit. I got so many scriptures I'd love to get you. It said he came to bear the sins of many. This is why Jesus came. This is why he had to die. And this is the, why he died the death that he died. Because it was the justice of God being administered to a criminal. But because he died and because he resurrected, I had the permission to come to an altar one day I finally had the permission and ever since then God's been putting his family back together one person at a time which leads me to my last and final point the fact that he came the fact that he died the fact he rose from the dead also establish the fact that he's coming back again. You ain't got to doubt it. We got too much proof to prove he's coming back again. He died so that Josh preached it for, so I can be the righteousness of God now. My righteousness now is the proof Jesus is alive. Is anybody listening to me? Because I had no ability to live righteously until Christ came in my life. And we're going to live righteous until they lay, they lay us in that grave. But the Bible also teaches that same Jesus is coming back again. As a matter of fact, that 500 was standing with him on that day. Amen. And he's given them their last instructions. And about that time, he starts ascending into heaven and they're standing there watching him go up. And two angels spoke up and said, why are you standing here looking up? That same Jesus is coming back in the exact same manner. He's coming back. He's coming back. And, and Jesus himself taught, he said, like lightning flashes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. In a twinkling of an eye, there's going to be the shout of the archangels of God. Jesus is going to descend from heaven with a shout, the Bible says. And we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Tell your neighbor, that's in your Bible. It's going to happen. I don't know when. I'm not that guy praying, come Lord Jesus. A lot of people say, well, if Jesus was going to come, he'd already come. Well, Peter dealt with that and said, you know why he hadn't already come? It's because it might be good for you that he come, but he's a father. He's a father. And he's got millions of kids who hadn't made it back yet. And Peter said, he's not slack. He's just really long suffering. He keeps putting up with what's going on because when he comes it's over it's over and multitudes of his children will burn in hell for an eternity your bible also says that the angels don't know when and even jesus don't know when only god knows when but I come to stand before you on this Easter morning and tell you, but I guarantee you, he's coming. And when he does, John chapter number five said, everybody that was asleep is gonna be resurrected. Everybody. Some are gonna be resurrected to eternal life and some's gonna be resurrected to eternal torment. That's what your Bible says. No wonder God's waiting. Come on, praise team. No wonder God's waiting. It's because He's a family man. He's a father. And it's not His will that any should perish. You want Jesus to hurry up and come? Quit praying for Him to come and go win souls. Go get some of His kids and bring them in. That's the only thing going to make Father... Send Jesus. Is he's waiting? He's waiting on you. He's waiting on wayward children to come back to Christ. Yeah. We're finna but do something real special together. We're finna. If you, we're going to do communion together, it's Sunday. Then we're going to let you go. There's no service here tonight, so you've got the rest of the day with your family to do whatever you need to do. But today I have proved to you without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus did exist. He did come. He was raised from the dead. He is sitting at the right hand of Father. And he made a way that all of us who were dead in the trespasses of our sin can now be resurrected in newness of life. And you are all witnesses of that. You are all witnesses of that. But right now, as a church, it's just praying and meditating and thanking Him and praising Him right where you are. If you're in this place this morning and you have not accessed the freedom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if you have not made Him the Lord of your life, if you've not allowed Him to bring you back into that family, why don't you come today? Why don't you let it be today? Because all of us is going to stand before God. Lost and saved are going to stand before the Father. Brandon, when we stand before Him, mercy's over. And judgment is pending. But today, there's nothing but mercy. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. He wants you back in his family. Thank you for listening to this live church podcast.